2: Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. This is September 15th, 2021, and I must say, this is our first time recording in studio since March of 2020. We've been doing remote shows. Heritage Radio Network has kept going through the pandemic, and we are back today in Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. So in honor of that, uh, we've got our all-star former producer, communications director at Heritage Radio Network. Dylan Hoyer is on Engineer We've got some of our, our really good friends from Brooklyn, because we're in Brooklyn. And we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of beer bars and draft systems and what you want in your glass. Because honestly, I love good beer and I like beer in cans. But one thing I miss most in the pandemic was a good draft and a good pub on premise. And um, I feel like that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to do a quick intro of everyone so you get a sense of, of who's in the room. Let's start with our beer bar friend, Fee.
3: Hi, I'm Fee Doyle. I'm a bartender at Beer Witch, uh, which is in Park Slope and opened last fall.
2: And you had some huge background. You worked at Beer Table.
3: You've Uh, been a writer. Yep, I worked at Beer Table for a few years. And pre-COVID, I was doing uh, freelance writing about NYC beer and craft beer in general.
2: So, well, it's great to have you. And yeah, then, uh, thank you, a friend who knows a lot about cheese and food.
4: A friend and a fellow Park Sloper. Um, <laughs> so, I'm Claire Matern, and I, my family's cheese shop, Hiller and Moon, is in Park Slope. And uh, I'm a big beer drinker and eater and pair.
2: And you grew up grew up in the food business. We want to taste some cheese industry. later too. Yep. And then uh, the stars of our show. We're going to talk about draft systems. Uh, we know this guy named Anton from J- Draft Choice. And it all comes together if you know beer bars and draft systems and the evolution of, of of what beer is in New York City. So we've got some folks from Draft Choice. So you guys introduce yourselves.
5: Yeah, hi, I'm the uh, other half, Lev Katsuba, the CEO of Cleaning Operations at Draft Choice, and uh, this.
6: Hello, I'm Angela. I'm back. Angela Style here at Advanced Cicerone and working with Draft Choice now uh, as a draft tech and of course field operator.
2: So. It was so great to bring this show together. And, and Angela, I think a lot of the show we're going to start with you. Um, we talked about what I'd said before that I just was dying for a draft. And, and when I'm in the city, I'm getting a good draft. I was at little places like Geff Arts, Beer Culture last week. I had a nice um, and Lantern Food or Pills the other day, even in a simple pub in the East Village, the Gray Mirror. They had a good system. I had some industrial arts, probably mm-hmm. at Pale Ale. All I want to do is drink, drink draft today here at at Roberta's Pizza. We're back. We're having the Inner bar of Roberta's Hellas Lager. So, w- what happened with the pandemic and draft systems? Because you know, draft beer—it's supposed to be moved. It's supposed to be clean. You know, this is this is a living system. This isn't just
6: absolutely. This isn't
2: like a, a frozen food that's going to sit there for ten years.
6: Yeah, we actually really like to talk about it in terms of a uh, like the car. If any of you here in New York City do have a car, remember that you have to maintain it. And draft systems really operate the same way. If you don't maintain for and care for your system, it'll betray you. And you not only get dirty, gross beer, but an inefficient poor, you're losing money. It's only to your advantage, to everyone's advantage, win-win in all cases, to uh, maintain, clean, monitor, and troubleshoot your draft systems.
2: So what? So March of 2020... You guys have a lot of accounts, a lot, a lot of really good beer bars and 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 pubs and everything. Lev, what did you have to do back then?
5: Well, I mean, it must
2: have been like a nightmare. First,
5: at <laughs> first, it was a lot of panic. Yeah, I had, had actually come back from vacation that Sunday. Monday was the shutdown. Uh, we basically scrambled to come up with a plan on what people should do, and focusing on not just abandon it. Um, don't turn off your fridges and your glycol units and just leave it there. And then from there, it was just a lot of communicating and trying to get into places and expecting people to actually spend money to now preserve their draft system for a future that is completely unknown. You don't know if you're going to have a bar afterwards. Uh, a lot of places didn't, and that's where we're catching up now. But some other places did the right thing, which basically, you know, just like taking a cup of coffee from your sink and emptying it out, washing it out and putting it on the shelf, same process, flush it out, clean it, rinse it. Shut everything down, and then come back to it when you can. Um, yeah, I mean, just I
2: mean how, how do people know? Like, I mean, Fee, you know, you're you're in the business too. How do people know? You know, how long am I going to be closed? That was a huge thing. Yeah, been closed weird. for a week, two weeks. Am I going to pour off all that beer? I mean, what what kind of situations came up?
5: Well, the places that were kind of geared to do to go basically minimized their lines. So they you know kept maybe two or four or six lines, um, kept flowing. Other places just completely fully shut down and went to cans, which you saw everywhere. A lot of other places, after three or four months, figure out once we could take stuff to go, fired certain things up. And actually, you saw a lot of conversions for cocktails. That was a huge thing during the pandemic. Everybody wanted to do draft cocktails because you could put in a cup, sell for a good amount, and send it out the door. Um, but probably sixty percent of those places just went dark. It, you know, for that first year, uh, <clears throat> they either shut their system down and kind of put in hibernation, or they did nothing. And those are the worst. Those are the places we're coming back to now and dealing with, where they're like, "Hey, I want to ramp it up again," and it's been sitting there for two years with warm beer, just marinating. Yeah. Well, let's not
2: go. There. Let's go back to last year. So, Feed, I know you know the business. I bet you have a question for Lev. Oh. You have a lot of questions. Do I? What? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> you do,
2: Claire. You're going. Well, from, from way back when.
3: Well, we're
4: I talking
2: w- about shutting down. Yeah, and I wondered about the,
4: the... When you were talking about the different lines that they decided to keep open, I know from our end of things with food too, suppliers and everything, it became most popular things. Maintained yeah, v- yeah. availability. Yeah, absolutely. And the more niche things disappeared. Yeah,
5: they really Was they did. Was that the same thing? Yeah, and uh, I think ironically enough, you saw... In the beer industry, the more niche things stayed, like people were more likely to kick like a blue blue moon line mm-hmm. and keep something a little bit more specialty because all that stuff is already available in cans and bottles mm-hmm. and things. So they tried to keep kind of unique things um, on tap. And, and it's
4: trying to find that balance, too, of what people might want, what yeah. people are going to have. Yeah,
5: but it was really the only places that kind of stayed up were places that were... Um, Basically, not your dive bars. You know, dive bars, things like that. Lowest common denominator. Basically, just shut down because without any. When I mean they anything. shut down their draft. Well, hopefully, yeah. but they just they basically we either didn't hear from them at all or uh, we came in and just shut it down and kind of preserved it. But
3: did you yeah. uh, did so? Did you see a lot of people pivoting to growlers, that kind of th- growlers? And yeah, that kind growlers
5: of and crowlers was yeah. a big thing. So beer to go, like, came back. You know, and then, like I mentioned, cocktails right. was huge, um, which it still is, people are still doing that, and we're seeing that it's a like, big see change. Well,
2: Angela, start. you know, you, you're a real industry pro. I don't know when you started working at Draft Choice, but what did you, I just want to get a little picture of that time in terms of beer and draft systems. What, what did you see, um,
6: with in, in terms of spring of
2: 2020? Yeah, you know, what questions would you have had to ask if you were running a place?
6: Yeah, well, because I think of myself,
2: I'd like, if I had 12 lines, you know, and probably the day we got shut down, if it was Monday night, I probably got my delivery on on Monday. I probably had a full walk in of kegs for the week and I probably had tapped some really good stuff and to walk because having been through disasters in the past, I'm like to shut down and walk away with a, a full walk in of kegs of beer. It's like a tragedy.
6: It really, really is. Um, I was uh, actually a a par owner during 2020 until September when um, my husband and I decided to rightfully shut it down, shut down the project with it being the pandemic year. Um, We were very lucky to be able to get out of that situation because we did, of course, think about what on earth would you do? What about your draft systems? Because, of course, I I worked as a draft tech before, so I was thinking about those things. So when I linked back up with with Lev here and and draft choice, uh, it was really illuminating finding out what their process was for getting things going again. Because you hear about bars and restaurants all the time and what's happening to them in the pandemic. But the behind the scenes, I mean, the fact that he's telling us that cocktail conversions are on the rise, the fact that people are looking for to-go windows for crawlers and growlers, you can see trends for the industry uh, where people are just grasping at straws and trying to find ways to make money. I actually think that's a really wonderful advantage. Go to your draft company if you really want to know the state of the industry in your area because it may be behind the scenes. It may not be in your face, but it is I in my opinion, the most important part because it will give you the green light or the red light on if you can make money off your system or not. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well fee, t- tell us about Beerwitch. Did Beerwich open during the pandemic?
3: Yes. Uh so Beerwitch was middle of the pandemic. Um and we're coming up on a, a year of being open. open last October. Thank you.
0: Um,
3: but in terms of draft systems, it, um, you know, Krista, uh, owner operator of Beer Witch, made the decision early on. It was like, well, this doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. So, you know, we're not going to pour any draft. And we didn't uh, open up a draft line until April. Oh. So of this year of this year. Yeah. Yeah. They um,
5: installed that system, I think, what, three or four months before that or so. Maybe, okay.
3: A little yeah. Longer.
5: But she just didn't fire it up because she knew if she did, the beer is just going to sit there and do nothing. Yeah. And, like, and that's, that's, that's. that's Wait, so,
2: Liv, so, what happens when you, you, you put in a new system? Does it have to get used right away? You know, what? no, no, absolutely no. not.
5: I mean, it's, it's all a matter of once the beer is tapped and it's sitting in the actual line. It's picture like you poured it into your glass. You've got a shelf life here. You know, Up until that point, it's a can sitting there, except you know, the can is a keg and the glass is the draft system. Um, even if you poured it into a cup and put it in your fridge, that beer is still gonna slowly start to spoil. The glass is slowly gonna start to get dirty. So same as that concept. So long as you clean that line, flush it and purge it, that's it, it's back to neutral, just kind of sitting in the drawer until you're ready to tap something else. Uh, so, I, you guys at Beerwitch made a, um Krista did, made an excellent decision to not yeah. start tapping it because they had the cans and the bottles. And even then, she only started tapping maybe one line, two lines, three lines, just kind of watching how the foot traffic goes. And I think a lot of people learn that and are keeping that in the back of their head, you know, knock on wood. Not for the next time, but <laughs> just, it's, you know, things to consider.
2: Yeah. And one reason that this show makes sense to me. Is that I still think of, of good beer bars as, as a special place, and part of that is, is, is the draft and, and the experience, but it's also the selection mm-hmm. of beers. So, what has it been like for you guys? I mean, I'm looking at you have from Oxbow to Alvina to some Italian craft beers, sure. which to me represents what a good beer bar is.
3: Yeah, I think so you guys
2: are really standing out uh, in this time.
3: Yeah, I think um, part of the intention was, and for me selling it is like. I want to go to a place where the whole, like, spectrum of beer is represented. And so, you obviously, you have your your money makers, um, local IPAs and everything. But, you know, um, for selling beer for a long time, you're like, what I'm concerned about is flavor and something new that I haven't had before. So, um, you know, finding weird things, rare things. Like, some of my favorite things recently are there's some breweries from Paris that are popping up and we can get a case of that or, uh, yeah, the occasional Alvin. And, um, you know, it's like having the opportunity to, uh, ask a customer what's your favorite beer and let me like expand upon that. We don't have that, but let me expand upon that and give you a weird Belgian funky ass thing or a very sour weird thing with lavender and different herbs and like atypical beer ingredients. Um, and, uh, like let's, let's show you different flavors of beer. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the, like the draft specifically, like only having like one or two IPAs at a time. And like, right now we have a, um, Leipziger Goza. Uh, it was a special, Special brew that has lavender and a type of chili pepper. And, you know, we have like a Jolly Pumpkin Jester King mixed fermentation collab. And you're like, that's really exciting. If you're yeah. a beer nerd, you're like, Angela's smiling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
5: and, and it de- really depends on a good, clean draft system for those kinds of beers.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. You
6: you know, know when I heard that chili, oh man, yeah. that's <laughs> kind and- of some <laughs> draft. Line. So what happens <laughs> here, when you have a chili
5: beer.
2: What do you do after you run that line?
5: Well, that depends on when and by who your draft system was installed. Um, Older systems just used older tubing and older technology that may not be able to support that. That stuff didn't exist back then. You know, draft systems weren't designed to pour crazy sour cocktail, wine, chili stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, The system at Beerwich, no problem. It's state of the art. Um, tubing, stainless steel across the board. You could pour anything from chili, soy sauce, milk, whatever you want through it.
6: I saw glitter beer recently. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, but if if, if, I, if I,
2: if I, let's say a beer, if she ran a, a chili beer, do they have to wash it before they put a different beer For on? For
5: something like that, you might need a cleaning um, in between. Yeah. There are certain things like root beer, chili, watermelon actually is something I didn't expect to stick mm. around as much as it does, but it does. The hell or high watermelon was a, that was a fun thing to deal with. Even peanut butter uh, and allergies. Yeah,
6: yeah, peanut butter and allergies with that. Um, yeah. yeah,
5: but um, if it's a you know good quality system, just a standard regular caustic flush will take care of it and it'll be gone. If it's not anything super, if it's not sitting there for that long, because it's not really how much beer you poured, it's how long the beer is making contact with the tubing that it's can actually flavors can seep in. Um, odds are, if you put on a beer afterwards, you might taste it for three or four pints. But if it's mild, it'll go away, except root beer and watermelon, apparently.
6: <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So, Angela, you,
5: you said keep going with this. This is interesting.
6: Oh, yeah. Just um, it, it's funny because only because uh,
2: I said that I think some people dedicate certain lines, like they might say, these lines are sour, these lines are IPA. Does yeah. that help um, mitigate?
6: It, it does actually, when you when you have knowledge of draft dispense systems, you can set up your system in a way where you know, hey, these ones can be for the specialty product. Because I remember when I started working with draft systems eight years ago or so. Uh, this was in Chicago at the time. This is when the peanut butter porter mm-hmm. craze was sweeping the Midwest and every single spot that we'd go to. <laughs> I just had it in Indiana <laughs> last week. That's <No>, still <laughs> there. Even uh, Not Your Father's Root Beer was a huge thing. Uh, the, the draft company used to be with became known as the only company that could get that out of your lines. So it really does play a huge factor Why is in the system. Here?
2: like pollute the line
6: especially even the high <laughs> like the high alcohol products the root beer specifically just uh polyvinyl tubing which is used a lot in draft systems it's permeable so when things seep into it it's just so hard to get them out and like, is
4: that actually an issue like the allergy situation like it is have-
6: yes wow. yes so that's why i i continually continually say despite being in so many different parts of the beer industry draft systems for me i love the most I love to talk about them the most and I think they are the most important because it doesn't matter what you make, it doesn't matter what bar you're at, it doesn't matter anything else if you put your beer in on lines that found a shit lines mm-hmm. you're going to have really bad beer. Mm-hmm. It gets the draft lines get the final say. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're <laughs> so important to pay attention to to understand and that's why we're so big. So what's education. the key? You, you,
2: you, your lines are stainless steel, Lev? What? No, no, that's no. not.
5: That's the uh, hardware stainless steel. Um, any metal part from <clears throat> your same key to the tail pieces to the faucet, everything in between is stainless steel. The trunk line is, um, and I will plug Micromatic in here. I think they have the best trunk line in the market. Is that's the tubing running, you know, hundred feet, two hundred feet, and then the other tubing, the weakest link really is what those flavors actually seep into is the jumper line. Because the rule is, the softer and more bendy a tubing is, the more porous it is. That was up until about a year ago, where now we're using new stuff, and you know, anything, anytime we've installed this new tubing, it's only about a year old. So we've yet to see what kind of um, you know results it can deliver. But to that fact, I will say that what people do with trends on putting IPAs and IPA line sours on sours actually can sometimes kind of kill little nuances and subtleties of flavor, because you're just putting IPA after IPA after IPA on that line. And you're thinking, well, I'm fine. Maybe I don't have to clean it as much because I'm not noticing any differences. But that's just the thing. You're not really noticing those small little notes in between beers. Uh, It is a good practice. You know, you should keep your stouts to the stout side, IPAs to the IPA side. But ideally, in a perfect world of a wonderful draft system, in between cleanings, you should be able to tap whatever you want on any single line because you're not afraid that something's staying there. That's the whole point of cleaning. And it's not that we kind of cleaned it and we want to keep another IP on there because we might take, want to taste a stout. It's that it doesn't matter from one kick to the what other. what
2: I want to ask you is what bars will you actually
5: drink the draft in? <laughs> um, well, we're working on that list for the general public, but you mentioned the great mayor before, and uh, that's one of them because we did a full overhaul. Uh, which on one? The uh, great mayor. The
2: oh, great mayor, yes. Yeah,
5: we did a full overhaul on those guys, and, you know, we're working on focusing, like, bringing the people who spend the money in care to light, to let people know, hey, you should go here. Mm-hmm. We just don't mention anybody else. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I can say something arguing. here. Um, <laughs> there is next to no regulation on draft dispense systems, and that shocks a lot of people. So <laughs> if you're like, wait, what? Um, yeah, I yeah, don't even know what you mean. There is next to no <laughs> regulation, and it goes state by state. So wait, when Angela
2: talks, people listen. so I can <laughs> tell you, America. Well, this is why us
6: as consumers, we need to be the ones who are... Honestly, educating ourselves and asking if you okay, how about this? If you want to know if draft the if the lines that you're drinking from are clean, ask them. Start asking the bars. Go to them, hey, does draft choice clean the lines here? Most likely they won't know, but if more of us are asking those questions, if we have a better understanding, then maybe potentially we could change some of the the rules and regulations. Because we're not coming in and saying, hey, we need to clean the lines bi weekly in this particular way. Because of because of profit. Right. We're not. It's not actually what we're going after when we're saying those things. We're telling you because that is the science behind it. This is how long it takes yeah. for all these things to build up, for the bacteria to build up, for the system to start changing. So biweekly recirculation cleaning is the preferred best method. So if you don't know, you should start asking.
2: I'll tell you this, Years ago, we, a bunch of us started the Good Beer Seal because we wanted to know what's a like minded like then it was a craft beer bar. Where I could go and get a, a good pint of beer. And a lot has changed, Like especially after the pandemic. I've, I've been in a lot of places where you know, as craft beer has expanded, I'm going to like a good restaurant or a good bar all over the Northeast. And I don't know until I order it, will I actually want to drink that draft beer? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times as default, I'll give them the first chance. Then I'm ordering cans, and this is when I had can fatigue. Not during COVID, but afterwards. This, I mean, it's still COVID, but this summer I was like, I'm having, I'm having, you know, can fatigue because I don't want to have to get this can because I know that most of maybe there's a pub that has Guinness and that's moving, or you go to the old school pub where the Bud Light's moving, but the other stuff it doesn't move, it isn't clean. I can't drink that beer.
5: Yeah, and you know, I, I can't reveal that list, but you'd be surprised. Of <laughs> I'll tell you the list, trust me. Uh, of, of prominent like If you see bars. me posting in, in <laughs> a
2: can photo in a bar or a restaurant, that means their draft yeah. system sucks. Yeah, and
5: my, my ultimate test is a good pint of Guinness. That's how I tell if the system's in good shape. But I've seen so many places that are so highly acclaimed with all of this reputation behind them that people just go to and take their word for it. And then we finally get in there and it's appalling and so there's that constant disconnect of oh well they have the reputation they have this they must be doing the right thing but actually they've just been riding the reputation and they're not doing the dirty work that it takes to because you know getting into a walking box and spending an hour in there cleaning stuff isn't that much fun
6: yeah
5: being behind a camera and talking about the stuff and you know brewing the beer everything talking about it that's a lot of fun so that's kind of where we come in. And it's not just us. It's really more just the industry and industry awareness, because I will say the industry on the draft cleaning perspective just needs help, just raw help from anybody who can contribute to it. Because it is an oversight because there's no there's the the uh, health department's not involved in it. FDA's not involved in it. Nobody. No, I don't need any kind of certification to come in, spend an hour and say, oh, you're all set who's there's nobody there's no oversight so it's Mm. really just our kind of moral compass and dedication to the craft
3: that's really interesting because it's so integral to a good glass uh good glass on your bar
5: well
2: it's like taste i mean there's something there but for you fee so you you know you have a lot of experience working with good beer beer table in particular and now beer witch when you walk into somewhere i guess i don't want to i don't always say i want to walk into somewhere that i've never been to because then your life sucks, (laughs) but you have a sense of, I want to go to these places because I know they have something good to offer me food or service. They've been recommended. Do you, first of all, think of ordering a draft beer?
3: Uh, I do. You know, knowing generally where in New York city, where all the beers come from, specific distributors, you take a glance at the draft and like, I mean, now my tastes lean towards pilsners, like the Finback Crispy Town that we're all enjoying right now. Um, is it a, you know, do I want this? Is it new? And um, yeah, in terms of cans, um, it's more of the getting a sense of oh, you can have a sense of like, is is this new? It's the same question. Like, when was this made? Or yeah, I'm I'm also always very cautious i'm like in and going out with friends who aren't as studied in beer i'm like okay let me taste that i'm like uh okay well the food's great so you know <laughs> we you know too much that. we know too but much. you also want good beer like i mean <laughs> me
2: claire for you as like you know grew up in a food family you have a really good palate i mean have you had a, a really good beer experience going out somewhere
4: recently yeah I haven't gone out much. <laughs> I think that's the problem too, is, you know, what's interesting and choosing a place after so long, not being anywhere is harder too. Cause you, especially when you, you're kind of the local and people are like, where should we go? And yep. actually finding that place after so long, kind of out of practice has definitely been like finding your feet again and like where you're going to go that you also know where you're, you're going to have that good time where it's kind of guaranteed because it's been yeah. such a long time. I
2: mean, there's all these weird rules. Like the old days would be like, well, you wouldn't want to have seafood in certain restaurants on a Sunday. You wouldn't want to go on the off night when their main cook wasn't there. And I feel that way. If I'm out there just even going into a beer, a bottle shop, I'm like, wow, I like that brand. But You can't go in thinking brand based. You have to kind of find out what they're moving and what they're really excited about. So you, it's, 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 unfortunately it's, it's not just like, I'm not buying Ford over Toyota. It, there's a lot more to it than that.
5: You know, what's interesting is um, in about the last six months when things really opened up and started moving, it was kind of almost the best time to be a consumer because all of the old outdated stuff ran out. All of the lowest common denominator bars that weren't taking care of their inventory and um, products basically shut down. And I don't know about you guys, but if have you, about six months ago if you tried to just go out sit down somewhere for dinner outside everywhere was slammed Mm -hmm. yeah and it was the highest turnover rate and everybody was also really focused on quality and really you know in full swing
3: that was just after initial rounds of everyone getting vaccinated but the other
5: thing you saw was a lot of places only opened at four o'clock because there was no more lunch crowd Mm -hmm. and pretty much every place in manhattan now it's slowly coming back but Right now is a good time to go out for dinner, get some good food and some good draft.
2: We're here at Roberta's Pizza tonight, and, we, and Bushwick is open, so you got to come out here. It almost seems dated now. Like, everything's been open, but I'm really looking forward. It's my first time here in a year. Claire, for you with food, um, what were some food, you know, new exciting things that you learned about? Someone asked me the other day, like, What's something that you that you learned to cook during the pandemic that you never had before? Oh, my goodness.
4: Well, I feel like I didn't do anything really new. I have done a lot of dumplings recently. I, uh, I'm the the white girl trying to do my good <laughs> folding now. I have some good Chinese friends and Korean friends who have taught me. Um, so they're getting slowly better. But I think too, what was weird for me, and I'm sure everyone agrees, I ate so many nostalgic things that I hadn't eaten in about 15, 20 years I was eating food that I hadn't had since my grandma's house. Like, because it just felt like in those early days, it just felt like, let me go back to full comfort. Um, And that's what we saw a lot of too in our store, especially with international and the expat community that we have in our neighborhood. It was, it was Walker's crisps and it was pickle lily and pickled onions and German mustards and people who couldn't get home were flocking to getting the cheeses and the foods of their, of their home that they could Yeah, get I was,
2: by, by, like, last fall, winter, I was just craving, like, good standard cheeses, like a real Parmigiano. And I, I went, like, on a trip just to get Parmesan rinds <laughs> for, for, for my soup. And
4: I tell people to keep them. People don't know to keep them. I mean, keep them in the freezer, make a stock, put them in soups and sauces. I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't even know to do.
2: The, um, my favorite beer of the night is this bottle that you brought us tell us about that because again i wanted to just give a shout out to beer which brooklyn if you want to know what is really good in beer i've been looking at your instagram it's like you've got an oxbow you've got an italian craft beer mm-hmm. um and this is a i love Wild East. Wild East really opened kind of during the pandemic yeah and knowing the guys before they opened i haven't even been there yet so
3: yeah um Wild East is they definitely have their own start and in stop in brooklyn in brooklyn go on and um, that brewery row down there Uh, So we've got a bottle of, it's called Zeste Dulcet. Dulcet. Um, It's a mixed fermentation, blended, um, dry hopped with...
2: It's a little sour.
3: It's sour. Very refreshing. uh,
4: There was some good fruit going on in
3: there. I believe it's done with Brett, so you get a lot of like pineapple, citrusy Mm -hmm. punch. Um, And yeah, I actually, I mean, I'm curious what their story... What their story is, because uh, I remember they were about to open up and then COVID hit, and you know, it was just. Uh,
5: we did that installation.
2: Did we the installation. <laughs> we oh.
3: So we're going to
2: take a short break. Oh. We're back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio and talk more about your showpiece installations on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
1: This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
2: Hey hey! Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, support us and become a member: heritageradionetwork.org. And guess what, guys? You're enough. Later, we're back in the studio here at Roberta's Pizza. So, woo, everybody, high five! All right. for Al Brooklyn show. And so, uh, draft choice. You guys are based in Bushwick. We've been talking about. Uh, so, Lev, where, where are you guys? You're right. We're here on uh, Bogart and Moore, which is now like legendary. You can hashtag Bogart and Moore. Where are you guys?
5: Yeah, we're ten-minute walk from here on uh, Grattan Street, and um, we was our bigger space. We expanded. We were actually gonna, we're due to expand a month before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. But I decided to take a vacation because I knew I was going to get any sleep for a little while, and it was the best decision I ever made. So we got lucky with that. Um, But yeah, we're we're pretty central here, and you know we commute to everywhere that we need to be. no, so, oh,
2: I, I love it. This is New York to me now, Bushwick. Yeah. So yeah. we talked about what happened at the beginning of the pandemic, it had to shut down a lot of lines, and there's a lot of technical stuff that we're not gonna get into. But so spring of twenty twenty one, places started opening again. What did you have to go through? So and how many accounts did you have to get reopened? That's the <laughs> yeah. real thing. Well,
5: yeah, it was a little bit of a um I don't know, a real struggle. I mean, just thinking about it, it just kind of makes me catch my breath a little bit because it's everybody came at us at the same time. Everybody said, hey, I need this open. Now. We're opening Tuesday. Yeah. And they all replied to like emails we sent out about shutting their system down a year ago. <laughs> with, you know, we were like, hey, you know, we, we gave you all of the possible resources, but you know, we care about our customers, our industry um, deeply. It's the reason that we're here. So we did everything we could. We're still catching up. To, to this day where still we just did an account where Angela and I were reviewing the photos and there is the worst things you've ever seen in a beer system that you can imagine mm-hmm. and it's full overhauls you have to just pretty much tear out um, a lot of tubing a lot of old hardware and completely re- redo it because it's just that bad
6: otherwise a really quick thing I want to say if you taste so-called off flavors in a beer, it's already way far past that point. So don't give me any of that like, oh, it tasted fine. That's not necessarily an indicator.
5: Yeah. The other half is also uh, surprisingly convincing places to just dump old beer. People are tapping kegs from a year ago. A year ago? ago? They were sitting ago. on those yeah. kegs. Wow. And uh, the thing is Yikes. that some distributors... <laughs> I was there. almost closed for three weeks and we had to dump all the yeah. beer. At uh, least in
4: cheese uh, we can say it's aged. And you, <laughs> you,
5: have to, you have to drain the kegs because some distributors won't take it back. So it's like this uphill battle of, um, you know, this the supply chain is still catching up. There's shortages on everything across the board. Everybody wants everything right away. Everything is super dirty and it's it's definitely a challenge. Um, we're, we're doing our best. But I will say it's kind of clear to see. I think when you walk into a place and you just kind of look around, if they revamped it and they if they use the downtime to clean and reorganize certain things, or just paint their walls, they were doing something. They were keeping busy, even if the bar was shut down. That's like a good Tell sign of they care and they're kind of investing yeah. back. Let, the let's
2: sector. talk about Grey only because they're in the East Village. I've been there. Um, they also own Cooper's Craft. Yeah. They mm-hmm. totally revamped the whole place, yeah. didn't they?
5: Yeah. And that, that they took the opportunity. They said, you know, we're shut down anyway. Let's use this time to fix the things that we never had the time for because we're constantly open. And at the same time, uh, the draft system was first in their list. And, you know, that's, that's exactly the, that point. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately some other places it's like pulling teeth and people are like well you know i have a two-year-old keg i gotta sell it like, no no it's a it, it turns into a downward spiral spiral because you're not cleaning your system and you're serving old beer so people drink it taste bad they don't drink it so you're not selling beer and the beer is getting older and you're not cleaning your system and it's just a black hole and then over. they're only
2: selling vodka cocktails yeah, exactly you know because they don't care yeah but wow it's, it's tough
3: it sounds like a. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like an uptick in you, draft technician, giving like general education about beer quality, safety and like uh, how beer is a living thing within a draft line. Once you open, you know, are running the game yeah. so that that's yeah. something that's like an extra thing that has been put upon a yeah, technician. Maybe? I mean,
5: we've always been doing that and educating Angela has been doing a lot of uh, educating now it's a little more than ever, um, and at times it's a little stressful. It's hard because I'm not here to make stuff up. I'm just here to show you what you need to do so that you can pour a good beer for your customers that you should be caring about. And mm-hmm. you know, it's it's um, it, it can be difficult because. Well, look, I feel look.
4: like you've hit on that too. I feel like consumers and then end consumers even forget that it's a living thing, and that's mm-hmm. what I deal with too. Like these are living living items that were drinking and consuming and eating. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's very true. I want to just change the subject for a minute. Um, showpiece draft system. So like even 10 years ago, like Torst, you know, suddenly you, the, 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 the standards went up for what you saw in a draft system and, and different types of controls. Like there would be different temperatures and, and regulators and stuff, but that was only at the top of the game. We're talking about going to a place like Grey Mirror that I love and making sure that their draft system is working great so that my like go-to beer, like in my industrial arts pale ale, is going to taste perfect every time. I don't need it to be like – I don't need 12 different styles of beer with each line running differently. Want to talk about that, Angela? Because you guys are really up against a lot. It's like getting a good beer on tap. Like Everyone always says Guinness, or well, the Guinness has to be good. But you can go to a place with Guinness and the other lines aren't good
6: cool, if you have a really beautiful system on the front, now show me the back. You know what I mean? Like, cool, great, but what does it really look like? Because you don't really know until you look behind the scenes, so you can have all the bells and whistles, but to me, again, just because I know, that's not really the answer to my question of, is the beer here going to be at its optimal point? Is it going to be as the brewer intended?
2: So what do you do when you go in? Because you're like, I'm going to give you credit, as an advanced sister, I'm going to do a little cheese pairing in a minute, but you know your stuff. You know how to talk to people. So let's say you're going to a beer bar that you want to go into. What's your first thing? You give them the benefit of the doubt. You taste the beer.
6: If I'm going as as a consumer just drinking? Yeah. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I know way too much about draft systems. I won't drink draft until I know more about the system. Lev even knows too in the past, like I've texted him before he and I were working together. I'm like, hey, Lev, <laughs> you guys service the spot? No. Yes, whatever it is, and then I know. Or because my husband is, I guess, a glutton for punishment. He's like, ah, I'll try it out. It's don't worry, babe, I'll try this one. Like, cool, try your gut later. So I definitely I try and ask more questions. Most of the time, again, the um the folks working at the spot don't know because this is not a unfortunately, 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 not a regular part of um, industry understanding or knowledge, even though it could be to everyone's great advantage. But most of the time, I just don't until I know. It's
5: it's also so hard because at any given moment, you're only four weeks away from a dirty draft line. Mm -hmm. It's a constant moving thing. So somebody might you might come in there and they say, oh, well, draft choice was here Yeah, a year ago. You know, it's it's not it's not prominent. And even if we do what everything that is in our power, just simple in-house maintenance, like, um, have you ever seen glassware upside down on the drip tray, you know, cause they're slinging pints, it's an Irish coffin and they're going under that drip tray is just a whole SCOBY thing of living <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and that's from yesterday. We were there two days ago. We cleaned the lines, we cleaned it out. It, the, the drain's not draining. So it's, it's a really difficult thing to, you know, really put just a, a stamp of approval on. Because it's always changing. I, yeah. I had a,
2: I, I never thought about this. 20 years ago, I had a, a good friend who was German. He was a mechanic. And he, he he was really diehard about his beer. And he was the one that first said to me, I only drink bottled beer in America. Mm-hmm. Because back then, he didn't trust any of the draft systems. Rightfully so. Let's go to Claire. Claire, so you brought some cheese for us. So, I want to hear more about you because I got to meet you online. And we've done some shows together talking about food and everything. Yeah. But, I know you grew up in the family, your dad's cheese person and food person. Yep. What did you bring us today?
4: Yeah. So, uh, well, even just picking up on your German friend there, that's kind of my dad's feeling as well still. I mean, he's been in the industry for 40 plus years and he is a picky drinker when he's out and about. And, you know, mostly goes out when we're in Europe. (laughs) But uh, in terms of cheese, today I brought um, a goat cheddar because I thought it would go really nicely with the Pilsner that we had and some other things. Got a really sweet finish. It really comes out of left field. Whenever we have it, it's always a favorite in store. Um, your family shop Hiller and Moon. Hiller and Moon in Park Slope. Do yeah. you have beer there too? We don't because we don't have a liquor license or anything like that. So we don't carry any uh anything hard. Um but, but you picked
2: up the Fimback pills.
4: Yeah, but. and what's great about this too is you know it celebrates good domestic cheese. So this is made in Wisconsin. It's a family, uh, the LeClaire family dairy in Wisconsin. And It's a really exciting cheese because people don't normally associate goat's milk with cheddar. So it's also just a really fun, like, kind of pairing of both worlds. We saw, I don't know what came out during the pandemic. Everyone started eating goat's cheese. Everyone was like, discover goat's cheese. Um, So it's a fun way to do that. But also what's really fun is how a lot of cheeses incorporate beer into their making. A favorite of mine also from Wisconsin is a Sartori raspberry ale wash. Um, and then there's a great one that's impossible to get, um, in England. Well, impossible to get because it doesn't come here from England called Hereford hop, which is rubbed with hot flowers. And it's Sounds remarkable. Great. How,
2: exactly. how do those we tell you when you wash a, a cheese? Well, you,
4: you wash during the aging process. So once a cheese is made, depending on the cheese maker and the process of it, it'll be washed for up to weeks or months after. Um, and kind of on off weeks or off days, it's, totally dependent on the cheese making with the hop with the hereford hop it's that once the cheese is made then you they rub it down with the hop flowers and they let that sit and that becomes part of the rind wow yeah um
6: yeah Yeah, i uh i've had the great fortune being able to work not only with beer in my years of the in the industry but with cigars and food wine alcohol and of course cheese that was (laughs) my world the last few years and I tell you what, I was able to slip into the cheese world a lot easier because of my knowledge of beer. They are mm-hmm. incredibly similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are incredibly, incredibly similar in how they are built and constructed. Even dare I say, cigars, same kind of thing. There's a you know um, uh, three parts to to cheese: the rind, the cream line, and the paste. Same kind of thing with a cigar. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's three different portions. So there's there's a lot of similarities across all the boards between. Um, all these things that you work with uh, your your palate or consume on a smoking, eating, or drinking level.
2: So, in you know, on my on-premise experience, because I want a good draft and I want some food with it. um, How do, would you serve cheese in like a a nice beer bar pub? Claire?
4: I mean, I think the way to best do it is, is anyway, I'm such a purist and a traditionalist that cheese should be served as cheese. Um, I have a lot of Uh, not issue, but whenever you want to doctor it up or start playing around with it, that's when I feel like you lose what the essence of cheese is supposed to be, which is just to be consumed as the product. Um, so a nice, simple cheese board and you don't have to over people overthink things. And I talk about this with customers all the time. You will, a, you will never make a wrong decision and you can't overthink it. These are beautiful. Some cheese boards are weird.
2: Like they're for they're Instagram. They're over the top. You have like 20 things on there. All they yeah. want is a freaking piece of cheese.
4: And the and the trend too of like overstuffing your cheese board. Like that's not how cheese boards Agreed. work. Like you have a nice piece. You want to let it breathe. You want to have the, you know, the room around it. You want to have this be the centerpiece. And it's so much now too about like overstuffing these cheese boards is like you actually lose the idea of the cheese that you should be celebrating. Talk
2: about fun cheese at Hiller and Moon. So where is it exactly? So Hillerm, Brooklyn,
4: yeah, it's in in Park Slope on Union Street, just up from Seventh Avenue. So
2: uh, back in the spring at our Brisket King event, you brought me that hay cheese.
4: yeah, yeah, the hay And So that's a beautiful one of my favorite Swiss cheeses, and uh, I was ha- uh, lucky enough to live in Switzerland as a kid too, so that was a favorite of mine from childhood. Um, and it means hay flowers, so um, really botanical, really herbal. Uh, so I always it's like-
2: just packed with hay flowers on the it's, outside. So
4: just the way that the Hereford hop is covered in hop flowers and that infuses into it, the hoi blumen is these alpine flowers. And um, just I tell people it tastes like a mountain. Like, you know, yeah. like, you're, you're like Maria spinning on the opening scene of, of Sound of Music, <laughs> but that's you're eating it. Kind of um, like owl blossom? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. So it just has these, it comes out kind of like really surprises you. Yeah.
6: I want to say too, uh, again, just coming from both beverage and food side, especially with cheese, most of the time people are like, oh, wine with cheese. I mean, sure, absolutely. There's fantastic wine and cheese pairings, but honestly, take that out of your brain. The first and foremost thing that you should think about, carbon dioxide, Mm -hmm. carbonation, bubbles, because this is a fat. Cheese is fat. How do you cut up fat and scrape it out of your mouth and reset the palate? Bubbles. So whether it's bubbly wine Beer, of course, duh, mm-hmm. and actually, I need cocktails. more
2: cheese, please. Yeah,
6: <laughs> yeah. well, and also, not-
4: and also think about historic you know—that kind of the idea if it grows together, it goes together—and think yeah. historical yeah. eating. Most of phrase. the time, people were drinking a lot of beer and eating cheese because both were also ways of preserving things. And that's the whole thing too. When people say like, "How long will this last?" like it was made to be last. To last, this is why cheese exists. My and full beer of exists. cheese and I
2: need <laughs> some beer. There Let's, you look, that, Let's that, go to beer with some. So fee, so we're up to cheese and draft systems. We're, we're, we're like the, uh, what's it called? The, the the restaurant repair crew or whatever. You don't need the repair, but we're going into Beer Witch. So what, you guys serve any food? Let's talk about the customer experience because I want to go there. I love the beers you have. Oh,
3: We'd love to have you. Uh, we, um we have the next hang together? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. We're all inviting ourselves. We're <laughs> located exactly
2: because yeah. Brooklyn's a big place.
3: Yeah, uh, so we are on Bergen Street, which Close. in my mind, yeah, mm. it's just like the very, very beginning of Park Slope, you know, uh, stone's throw away from Barclay Center. And um, when you walk in, we have, uh, I believe it's eight eight fridges, cold fridges on your left. And uh, we're categorized by style. So we have dedicated logger fridge. We have two. Uh, hoppy fridges. So, um, you know, not exclusively IPAs, but things that feature hops. And we have a strong fridge, uh, two sour mixed culture fridges, and um, like a grab bag fridge that includes sodas, non-alcoholics, and just sort of Maybe a peanut butter milk stout, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. So something- I love the way you organize that. I've done that in the past for <laughs>
6: your program. It's one of my favorite ways to do it. That's really cool. Yeah, it's
3: it's a really wonderful way to orient someone if they have no fucking clue. Because like, it also is kind of a kid in a candy store situation. You're like, oh, there's 150 beers here. Um, where do I start? You sound really big on educating your customers, which you honestly rarely hear in the industry. And it's
6: so important. How are you going to get them to come back and trust you and think of you as like the go-to spot? I love that.
3: Yeah. um, I mean, that's part of the mission is to seek to expand people's uh, knowledge, taste buds, vocabulary. Um, And uh, that's the kind of thing that is kind of beginning to ramp up now that we're coming up on a year of being opening, Um, planning on tastings maybe a cheese event uh sounds like a great idea Mm -hmm. um and uh just even brewery events like we had a, a lawson's tasting and it was such a such a glory to be able to do something like that you know finally just to have that experience but um and then we have a draft list of course uh, speaking of the excellent draft system, we have two uh, Lucre faucets. They're a side pole.
5: You guys also actually have one of my favorite tower draft designs that when we were designing, I'm so happy she picked that because I wanted to whoa, whoa, whoa. use that okay. for so long. Oh, you <laughs> this <want> to, is <laughs> Tell us about want, the tower draft and the Luker. think yeah. if you want to see it, if you want to see the tower, yeah. you're going to have to by. go there and visit. Yeah. Uh, the lucre faucet is actually a Wait, massive... the tower, um, what is special about the tower? Is it oh, just yeah. the... It's the, the sh- it's a very unique shape and design. Is it shaped like a tree? No. No, it's not shaped like a tree. Um, it was designed by an Italian company called Um, But I'm not going to tell you. You have to go there and see it. you have to go there and get a beer. So there is a showpiece. There is definitely a showpiece, yeah. And it's one of my favorites.
3: Wow. To so, like uh, g-
5: gather
2: around the beer town.
3: Yeah.
2: I like that. And what about the Luger Fossils? Because we did a show last fall with, with um, my buddy uh, Chris up at Notch in Salem, who's... Been a real advocate for a uh, Czech style pours. Lucre, what is it? Because I love my beers on Lucre.
5: Yeah, so. What the, does that mean? Well, the design of that faucet uh, gives you a lot of control over how you pour the beer. Um, it's like Czech style pills, right? It has two, yeah, it, but it also aerates the beer as it pours out, which it, it, brings out a lot of very delicate notes in the beer that otherwise might be buried deep in. And it also creates a really great frothy head. And there's, there's three different pours that you can do. And depending on what you do, you have different, it kind of hits your senses a little bit different, but also locks some of the flavors in underneath. So you're kind of going through this experience of kind of flavor layers. Uh, And it also just gives you different opportunities to control the beer a little bit differently, um, it's also a little bit of a headache because it's a very complicated faucet.
3: Indeed.
5: Um, and there's, it's brand new. So every time something brand new comes up, you know, everybody kind of has to catch up and learn. But it is very unique and very interesting. And I've had, for my own personal com- comparison, the same two beers, a regular faucet and a lucre faucet. And it does really make all of the nuances. The only difference is the faucet. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, it, uh, well, it's you know, the faucet has a lot of different hardware in it that forces the beer to pour a different way. And it does make a a, a, a noticeable difference um, of the nuances of flavors and effervescence and things like that. So, yeah, it's
3: actually a, it's pretty fascinating when you put down, like, if someone asked what a Maliko pour is, like that is something that, as it might sound, looks like there's so much foam in the mug. Uh, we have the dimple mugs that they're like, what is this? Why is there so much foam? And you're, you know, trying to like present the beer in such a different way that it's going to highlight um, the malts very differently. You'll get bitterness in the foam, and I always talk about it as if it's a cappuccino, and like you want this <laughs> silky textured thing. And I, I worked in I like coffee that. for a long, long time, so that in my my mind brain, that's where it is. And um, it's still like so. I have a
2: matcha malika.
3: Yeah, can <laughs> you do malika, malika art? Or, yeah. I, that would be fun. That could be that could be uh, the, the be, evolution. Claire, kind of. you and I
2: will go get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess our listeners to, to you. always yeah. don't even understand what this is. Like literally, the malika pores. So tell us about the luka pores because I haven't even seen them all. That's basically most of it is head, right? Who wants to talk us through what the pores are for luka? Oh, well, I, th- I
5: think Lucre is the next friend. I feel like every good beer bar has to have a Lucre faucet. So I haven't perfected the pours myself. I know more about the hardware and the troubleshooting of the faucet. But I am aware <clears> of the <throat> three pours. The first one is the regular pour. It's mostly beer and a good head on top. Um, the second one is half and half. It's half beer and half Moloko pour. And the third one is where it's mostly more local, um, pretty and much. And they're Czech style,
2: so they have Czech names. Yeah,
5: and yeah. it's it's you know in Czech everything is in a big pint, and um, they also, I mean, their standards are just up way above and beyond anything that we have. As you heard, you know, when people don't drink beer in America twenty years ago, unless it's in a bottle. Um, but it's designed to kind of target different flavor profiles. So if you picture um, the best way I can kind of put it together is. Back in the day when you first saw a uh, foam of a beer that was like three inches tall above the glass but stayed there, you were like, that's different. Why is, mm-hmm. why is that foam so different? Why is it so thick? And you experienced different notes in that as opposed to just a Bud Light that you poured out and had absolutely no foam dissipated. So whether in liquid you have different flavor characteristics, and in or you foam, had a bad
2: like a foamy beer because it was hot,
5: like right, it was right. crap. Yeah, yeah, this isn't that, you know. And, and in foam, you have different characteristics foam being more aromatic more subtle Mm -hmm. little nuances i grew up drinking
4: my dad's foam
5: yeah (laughs) (laughs) what kind of beer was he drinking well
4: no but in europe yeah you just like give your kid the the taste of the foam
5: (laughs) and and in liquid is the more dominant flavor so you have your three options of do you want to go for the robust you know full liquid pour flavor uh the in between when you would experience both or the last one where it's mostly foam and you just kind of just literally dipping your nose into it and breathing it in and um coming up with a beer mustache.
6: Yeah, I think <sighs> I mean, so often people are talking about the aroma. I like, aroma be- I like and- beer
5: and mustache
2: when it's good beer.
6: <laughs> exactly. it's a good sign, right? Um, the, but the flavor and the aroma is always talked about, but not nearly enough the mouthfeel.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's such
6: a funny word. But but the mouthfeel, truly, I mean, it's such a huge factor. Why brought up uh, bubbles with the fats and cheese? Like it, it has such a huge effect. So I think that's what's so cool about the Lucre Faucets. It's, it's almost teaching people about and why mouthfeel I'll tell you, important. that's why,
2: whatever, by the spring of 2021... One thing I was frustrated about about most beers and cans, even though I knew the breweries were good, it was the mouthfeel. And I was mm-hmm. getting the same damn mouthfeel from the cans. That what? I that I can I can't there's something about a good draft beer, and, and I don't know the technology behind it, but I'll tell you this as an experienced drinker, there's something about a good draft beer that makes me want to drink more than one. Well, and when I don't like that beer, I can't even finish one.
5: Mm-hmm. I think it's also a little bit of like social emotion because you know when you're opening a can it's kind of by yourself it's your beer you're opening it but just the experience of going to a bar or pub or restaurant and having a draft beer served and seeing a whole bunch of other pint glasses throughout the room you kind of share an experience mm-hmm. it's it's communal as opposed to just kind of, kind of like this let's do it sounds, sounds
6: corny but it's kind of like a hearth of a bar <laughs> you know what i mean cheers <laughs> no, it's
5: good.
2: We got into something. It's like, so I, I actually came into the show. I'm like, you know what? I want to talk about having this special showpiece draft system, but not one that's too fancy like the, that, the whatever that one from Beachwood was 10 years ago that everyone had to do. It cost well, how much and how much would that have cost?
5: I don't know which every is, the, the, flux the capacitor. one at, at
2: um, yeah the flux capacitor. <laughs> uh, uh,
5: I'm I'm gonna plead the fifth on that. Let's one. just say that was <laughs>
2: ten years ago. But just hearing about this special tower at Beerwich in Brooklyn, I'm going Ooh. there. I'm gonna check it out. I want to stand by that tower and drink my beer and have some cheese pairings with it. Thanks to Claire and Matern. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys have been great. Anything else we want to get a shout out to Angela? Um, a favorite something you want to mention that like okay I'm here at Roberta's Pizza. Guess what I haven't had in a year? I want the Bees. What is the Bee beer? It's like the beer pizza. It's like got the Mike's Hot Honey uh-huh. and it's it's I can't even remember the name of it, but it's the classic here. So I'm gonna ask for that Mike's Hot Honey pizza. What, bee Sting. W- bee Sting. Thank you. Mm. All right, Angela, what what's some of your craving that we should know about and get in Brooklyn?
6: Uh You know what? I'll be completely honest with you. During the pandemic, only till recently, I just started drinking beer again because mental health was also at Mm -hmm. abysmally low, right? Like, that's a huge, huge topic when it comes to pandemic. There's a lot of (laughs) shots of whiskey. So I'm now switching out the shots of whiskey for getting back into beer. So this is kind of my reinvigorating jump back into the beer scene. So this collaboration, actually, that we're drinking the Hellas with Roberta's is kind of perfect way, I think, to do that.
5: Yeah. Uh, Well, first, I want to give a shout out to my girlfriend because she rolled up her sleeves and went out there shutting draft systems down (laughs) with me in the middle of COVID. Um, But for an experience, if you're looking for a really like top quality beer experience, there's a lot of places, but um, I would recommend one, which is Hilo Bevco, which I went to recently and they opened up as well right before the pandemic hit. And it's a very unique setting, and they really, really care about the craft. Where is it? Um, Bushwick. It's in Bushwick. Um, what street? I don't know. Somewhere around here. Yeah, it's, it's not far. High Low Bevco. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really fantastic beer experience to just talk I think to we're going to go there afterwards. Yeah. 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 And Claire.
4: Oh, well, I guess a, a food shout out other than um, cheese in Union Street, another great pandemic a uh, company that came up is called Tanabel, uh, and it cooks weekly feasts with Syrian refugees. So, want to shout them out? They do an amazing menu. Yeah, that's
2: awesome. yeah. and wh- where do they do that?
4: They cook out of um, Park Slope, and they deliver or you can pick up.
2: So in Brooklyn. Yeah. All right. And feet. Besides that beer tower.
3: Besides that beer tower, um, we. Uh, we partner with a neighborhood business, uh, Brooklyn Larder. Mm-hmm. Um, so we uh, we get weekly deliveries of, of what we call a cheese baby. So it's a selection of three or four different cheeses that you might put onto a cheese plate. Um, you know, it, it seems like they, you know, all purpose prepared foods, cheese. They do sell beer as well. Um, it's just been an excellent go-to spot. And I mean, for me, I I honestly haven't gone out so much beyond just I work at a, a beer bar and I, I know a good place to get beer. So, I mean, I'll get cheese and good snacks there. So you guys are awesome. amazing.
2: I'm giving a shout out to uh, New York City Hospitality Alliance head Andrew Riggi and the work that that organization's done this last year. A year ago, unfortunately, restaurants, bars, hospitality were getting shut down. This summer, the Hospitality Alliance took the lead and said, we're, you're going to have to be vaccinated to, to come and dine indoors. And we're here today at Roberta's. We walked in. We all showed our vaccine and we're able to have a normal experience. And I just want to thank you again, Andrew Riggi, New York City Hospitality Alliance, for taking the lead and keeping our businesses open. So thanks so much for joining us here. Big shout out. We got everybody say their name and we'll do a close out.
3: Uh, feed Oil.
4: Claire Matern, Lev Maturne. Angela Style,
2: And I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here on Beer Sessions Radio. Thanks to Dylan Hoyer, our producer, engineer, and awesome Heritage Radio Network person. Thank you so much for joining us here. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Thank you. (laughs) Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Cinecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage radio network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family